I think one of Ludwig van Beethoven's greatest regrets was the deafness that afflicted him in later life, which of course meant that he could never listen to the cricket's sadist hour. That is the name of the show. I am Jared Kimber. With me is a man who, as far as I'm aware, has never been asked to babysit for Tim Payne. It's Andy Zaltzman. Uh, well, not in so many words. Well, just babysitting, babysitting glances. Well, it's just a little, just every now and again when he's in the field, see that far away look in his eye. Some people think he's thinking about the gradual decline and eventual <laughs> devastation of Australian test cricket. Clearly, he's just contemplating whether he could put in a call across the hemisphere and get me to, you know, spend three hours watching a DVD in his living room while his kids are asleep upstairs. Yeah, which is, which is most of the job. It's a bit like wiki-keeping, isn't it? it? Only if you do something horribly wrong that <laughs> <laughs> anyone notices babies. Most of babysitting is sitting there doing nothing and then just occasionally you've cut off a leg. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe that's why Tim Payne is you know, so in- interested in babysitting. It's that spiritual link between the wiki-keeper and the babysitter. Talking about underperforming bat- bat- batsmen this year, although it's a bit unfair on Tim Payne because he's probably overperformed considering uh, his first-class record, but uh, we're going to make a whole podcast on the fact that no one can make any runs this year, which, do you know what? This well, is la- like- last year now. Jeff. Last year. I'm oh, sorry. Year. Yeah. Um, it's not often that we're qualified for things, but when it comes to not making runs, I'd like to think that we are maybe the masters. <laughs> Lifetime of expertise. I've gone through a lot of years with the sort of drought that 2018 brought test bats. So they're all sitting there. I, I talked to Nathan Lehman recently in an interview, and he's saying, you know, the worst thing you see in, in a in a dressing room is when players who've succeeded their whole life, they've never failed at anything, and then they suddenly have that one massive moment of failure. For us, our life is massive failures with occasional success. It's a much more healthy way of doing it. I would have thought so. Yeah. So no one made any runs this year. The average, I haven't looked at it um, since I wrote my article about it, which is about a month ago. But I think the average was about 27 runs across all wickets. It was in terms of batsmen alone, so excluding extras. Batsmen yeah. collectively averaged 26.28. That's so low. In uh, in 2018. Uh, I still don't understand why cricket goes to two decimal places. But anyway, let's call it 26.3. Um, by comparison, uh, from 2001 to 2017, where there were little variations, but it was fairly consistent, batsmen collectively averaged 32.3. So that is down 18% on the previous yeah. And we didn't have a single year between 2001 and 2017 where we went below 30. Below uh, below 32 in terms of runs per wicket. So this is yeah. not batting now. So it was 27.58, as you said, in um, in 2018. Mm. That's runs per wicket. Um, it had been over 32 every year since 2001. Um, I've broken this down a little bit further. Um, openers were down 23% on the 2001 to 2017 period. So 2000 was the last year when bowlers totally dominated. Yeah, that, that had a really good year. That was about the average for bats and then was about 30, was it? Uh, it was, I think, just under 30. 29. That yeah. was, it was a very low scoring series between England and West Indies in, in, in 2000. It was very exciting as bowler dominated series often are. Um, numbers one to five were down 22.9% collectively. So they uh, averaged 31.3 compared with 40.6 um, in the 2001 to 2017 phase. That's an incredible drop. drop. <laughs> so the openers were down from 37.3 to 28.6. Numbers six to nine, interestingly, were down, but only by 6%. 
um, from 26.7 collectively in 2017, 25.0 in 2018. So they stood up relatively well given the overall uh, decline. Numbers 10 and 11, however, averaged 8.6 in 2018, and they'd averaged 10.4 in uh, 2001 to 2017. They were down 17%. Basically, without numbers 6 to 9... It, there would have been some even shorter matches and series than there were. The, the interesting thing there is that the bowlers have no excuse for their um, less runs because they weren't bowling that much. No. <laughs> then they had to bowl a couple of balls to bowl, bowl teams out. So it's pretty. Well, maybe they wanted to get back out there quickly and were chucking wickets away, thinking, oh, I want to have a go. Yet again, it's the bowlers' fault, all this. Yeah. Um, I want to start with the opening batsman a little bit, which is, I suppose, a weird way of, of uh, talking about because I think we're going to focus maybe more on the on the bowling as much as anything. But I want to focus on the opening batsman just because of how random um, this year has been. I put up a tweet a few weeks ago. I think it was after Tom Latham made, what was his big score, 265 or something? It was big. He better for yeah. a long time. I mean, he's in New Zealand. I'm not sure if they have cameras on those games, so I don't know if anyone saw. I think someone was just etching. A little, with a, little <laughs> what's that, what's that a woman that sometimes paints? Jocelyn Goldsworthy. Yeah, she was just pa- painting yeah, yeah. each ball. Um, and uh, he made those runs. And after he made those runs, uh, I think it was him and uh, Demuth uh, Karuna Ratney were the only two um, opening batsmen averaging over 40. Um, from I think I, I had it down as maybe eight innings, maybe it was ten innings or whatever it was. Um, you would have had pretty long odds, Zoltzman, coming into that <laughs> uh, into the start of 2018. You know who your your gun opener is going to be? Uh, it's going to be that Tom Latham guy that has actually made a lot of runs, but no one can remember what he looks like. And Karuna Ratney, who no one no one can even remember what his like distinguishing quality is, <laughs> other than occasionally he's a good fielder or brilliant fielder. Yes, uh, Latham scores 264, not out. Uh, yeah, he had 658 runs, average just under 60. Karuna Ratner, 743, average 46. So out of the uh, openers who played five or more games, they were the only ones averaging over 37. Yeah, so Dean Elgar was about 36. Elgar was 36. So, so I would say at the moment that Elgar is the best opener in world cricket and probably has been for maybe two years um, uh, obviously with Cook's decline, Warner struggles when he goes away. Um, there, there are certainly players that you might want to pick ahead of Elgar, but as far as being a consistent, good grinding opener, he's been an incredible player. The fact that even he couldn't grind this year out, like I, I think averaging 36 as an opening batsman in this test year is a success. Yes. You know, well, we do have to slightly reassess what success consists of. And, um, I think you saw that with Alistair Cook's career that he had, Basically, two pretty poor years before that ridiculous final test at mm. the Oval. Before that, he basically stopped scoring regular centuries. He had, I think, seven in 60-odd tests. But we're still getting a lot of 50s. And, I don't know, we're so obsessed with hundreds that we sort of forget that actually an opener getting even 30 can have a massive influence on a game. Well, 31 is the average this year. Yeah. So 30 is a solid inning. So it shows that how much teams struggled. And to be fair, when you look at the openers, you're looking more at the seam bowlers. But it wasn't just that the wickets are green this year because there's also been a ton of wickets to spin as well. It has just been really bizarre. And when I was looking through the numbers, the one thing I was looking for is whether this was a blip right, or whether this was a the sign of a some coming apocalypse. Because in, in the 90s, we actually had quite low scoring a decade. We then had in the year 2000, we had that low scoring year that we just talked about. And then after that, we just had all the runs. We basically had maybe other than 1930s, we had the best ever batting era that we've ever had, 1920s, 30s, 40s. Um, we had the best ever batting era that we've ever had. So is this just 
a weird blip, or right. is it is it the beginning of the end? Well, next year will they average will they average eight? <laughs> um, well, I mean, that's the thing with blips. It's hard to tell if it's a blip or not until you've seen whether it has a, another side. And we're mid blip, aren't yeah. We? So it's kind of hard to judge at this early stage. It's you know it's that down bit in between heartbeats. Is has the heart stopped beating? And as we look down the scorecard, uh, we see the cricket sadist hour. Uh, Zaltzman, Bold Kimber, naught, sir. Another disappointing effort. This year, this this 2018, of which, you know, let's be honest, it was one of the most horrible years in the history of mankind. The only good thing about it really was all the wickets. <laughs> um, you know, bowlers saved humanity. In many ways. Not for the first time either. Yeah. Not for the first time. Take that, Bradman. Um, but... Uh, well, exactly. Bradman, look at him, dominated for 10 years, then Second World War breaks out. <laughs> I don't think he's ever had the requisite level of blame for his role in that. Do you know, he 100% down on his runs in that period. Yeah. But anyway, this, but there was a lot of fun stuff from numbers for this year. So what have you got numbers-wise, Mr. Zaltzman? Well, here was something that illustrates the uh, the extent to which bowlers have thrived. Seven, There were 29 bowlers took 25 or more test wickets in 2018 um that is uh, up on 24 in 2017 21 in 2016 uh 16 in 2015 uh, there was slightly less test cricket because of the world cup year um so the most of the years i've looked at <laughs> that, you know, it's probably, let's call it you know higher than average uh 25 of those average of those 29 bowlers who took 25 or more test wickets average under 30 18 of them average under 25 14 so just under half Average under 23. Including uh, under 23? Yes. Okay. And seven of them, so basically a quarter averaged under 20. Including the great Jason Holder. See, well, they, Jason Holder, uh, average 12? Wickets, averaged 12.3. Mohamed Abbas, 13.7. And then Vernon Philander, Tim Southey. All right, stop there, stop there. Vernon Philander is the first name that you have basically said. Like, if you talk, so we've talked about Latham, Karuna Ratney. Um, Abbas and, um, uh, Jason Holder, right? Yeah. Maybe Abbas is on the, on the borderline because he was getting good maybe coming into 2018. But almost every other name there, it sounds like you've made them up from one of those like 1990s computer games, right? <laughs> that sounds vaguely Sri Lankan. Oh, Tom Latham, he could be from any of the Western countries, <laughs> you know? And, and Muhammad Abbas, well, that's, that's a definite Pakistan name, isn't yeah. it? Do you know what I mean? And they're not, they're not, it's not Rabada. You no. haven't said Rabada. We haven't said, Alistair Cook or, you know, any of the sort of, you know, or Shikadawan, the sort of bigger, well-known players. It, it, it is like you've plucked these names out. Jason Holder averaged 12. 12. From six tests, 33 wickets. Um, and then the other three averaging below 20, Shannon Gabriel. Again, you wouldn't necessarily no. have thought. Uh, one of my favourite bowlers to watch in world cricket. Also, one of the a random name generator. Yeah, exactly. Morning Morkel. Um now departed from the international game, and Pat Cummins, 44 wickets average, uh, a fraction under 20. Yeah, so there's, there's some quality bowlers in there. I mean, Abbas, Morkel, um, and, and Gabriel, to be fair to him, over the last probably two years now, he basically went from a guy being very fast to a guy being very fast with some minor skills that are very helpful. He's, he's one of the most interesting bowlers in the world for me because, essentially, when I looked at the Crickvis data on him, he doesn't get much bounce. And he gets almost no sideways movement. It's very rare that you get a guy who just bowls fast, who is consistently good against the top order, like he seems to be. Um, but I don't think he should be averaging under 20. <laughs> <laughs> no, and maybe the yeah, the fact that Holder is also averaging well suggests that there have been some helpful conditions. But, um, and it also suggests that England's forthcoming series in the West Indies 
is going to be rather trickier than a lot of people. I'll be are looking forward to some days off. Yeah. No test series. Um, yes. Uh, then below that, so uh, just uh, Rabada just fractionally over twenty. Then Bumrah, Ishant Sharma, Mehdi Hassan, the uh, uh, Bangladesh off spinner. Ravi Jadeja, Jimmy Anderson, and Tigel Islam all averaging under 23. So half of the bowlers who've taken 25 or more wickets have done so averaging under 23. So let's, uh, by way of comparison, over the previous four years, only four bowlers had taken 25 or more wickets average under 20. And there were seven this year. And that was Stain in 2014, Ashwin in 2015, Harath in 2016, Anderson in 2017. Uh, there were four bowlers who did so in 2013, which was a bit of a spike for... Bowlers Jadeja, Philander, uh, Dale Stain, and Mitchell Johnson. You see the names you're saying there? Those names, names make sense. Big names. In the previous five years, so 2008 to 2012, only two bowlers had a year of 25-plus wickets, average under 20. That was Ajantha Mendis in 2008 and Dale Stain in 2011. So three years, no one took 25 wickets, average under 20. 2009, 2010, 2012. 2018, seven bowlers did it. So it has been a good year for bowling. Jasprit Bumrah, right up there with Abbas, um, in terms of, I guess, the influence he's, he's had. And his, he broke his finger, didn't he, against Ireland, uh, and missed the first two tests. And how different would that England India series have been had Bumrah played? He's, he took 48 wickets in nine tests all away from home, which for an Indian seamer is, you know, not not just unheard of, but undreamt of, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he he's on such another level, and he's you know, he's quick, and he moves the ball both ways. And we're seeing a lot of guys moving the ball sideways. I wanna I wanna say that the pitches are helping them more, but I think that the consistency of which that they're all doing it means that maybe we had a few years of flat pitches, and bowlers have just learnt that. You have to you have to do whatever you can to get the ball to move sideways now. Which maybe wasn't as much the case five years ago. I, I don't know. But when we talk about that, I'm just searching for reasons because it's been so crazy. <laughs> but the spinners, you you had what four spinners under uh, with a bowling average under twenty three? Uh, yeah. So we've got two from Bangladesh. Um, Jadeja was he up there? Uh, Mehdi Jadeja and uh, Tigel as a spinner. So three spinners averaging under. And what are the next couple of spinners? Uh, then below them, Yasser Shah, averaging uh, just over 23, 38 wickets in in six tests. Dan and Jaya of Sri Lanka, Ashwin, um, averaging mid-20s. Uh, Harath, averaging just under well, uh, 28. And Duru and Pereira, just under under 30. Then Maharaj, uh, 33. So interestingly, the top three, the, the worst averages of the bowlers who've taken 25 or more wickets were Nathan Lyon, Mitchell Stark and Josh Hazelwood. Yeah. Um, well, I don't. It's been a troublesome year. For, I think I think 2018 will go down as a difficult year for Australian cricket. I don't think I'm going out on a limb when I say that. You've got no numbers to back that up. But in terms of bowlers averaging under 23 with 25-plus wickets, as I said, 14 out of 29 this year, so that's 48%. Over the previous 15 years, from 2003 to 2007, inclusive, um, 20% of bowlers of 25 or more wickets did so, average under 23. Um, and... Of the best averages, in a best year averages of bowlers of 25 or more wickets, three of them uh, were from 2018. That was Holder, Abbas, and uh, and Philander. Big names. <laughs> and just quickly to add to the Australian bowlers being at the bottom, the top three averaging batsmen, counting the 86 batsmen who batted 10 or more times, all from New Zealand. Nichols, Latham, and Kane Williamson. Wow. It's like... 
bizarre. The again. world is... Next you'll tell me Donald Trump is president. <laughs> Strange times, Jared. So I started tweeting about this in May. Right. Because I kept... I, and you'd be shocked to know this, but I watch a bit of cricket. <laughs> really? And every time I looked up, it seemed like teams were getting rolled. Weird. So I looked it up. And I think at that stage, the average was maybe 23 or 24. And I was like, this is, this is weird. So I went and then looked at up until, this is how nerdy you and I get. <laughs> but I then looked for over the last five years up until May, if there was like a reason why it was low. Like maybe it's always low at May and then it comes good. I didn't think that was true, but I had a look and that, that didn't make any sense. Then I looked at scheduling. Some schedules look fine to me. They're still playing in places where you make runs. And when I put up the original messages online, I think I just put them up on Twitter or, and, and stuff like that. People started saying, oh, well, there's associates playing now. Afghanistan and Ireland. And I was like, I think the average in both of those games was actually higher than what it was at the time. Like, like I said, which was, I know, 23 or 24. India had made 400 against Afghanistan. So that also boosts the average. And Ireland had made over 300 in one of their innings as well. So I was like, oh, it's Probably not that. So the minute you sort of say it's not that, it then goes to the same thing that we've heard our entire life, which is um, one day cricket was always going to ruin batting. Ruining everything. Now, you and I are old enough. I mean, you're very old. (laughs) You and I are old enough to remember in the 90s, every time someone played a bad shot, us, one day cricket. Uh, It's one one day cricket is ruining batting, right? And I lived through that. And I I thought it was stupid then, right? I thought it was a lot more stupid in the 2000s when we had the second greatest batting era we've ever had in test cricket. <laughs> when batsmen were completely on top, dominated everywhere. In some ways, I think one day cricket probably helped them um, because of the, the rhythm of, of milking bowlers and, and turning the strike yeah. over. And also, I guess it expand one day cricket initially and then more significantly 2020 expanded batsmen's understanding of what was possible clearly. And while that's still uh, allied to decent test match techniques. So I think maybe that's the reason that era had such a explosion of run making as well as wickets. And I, th- I think, we, and I think there's lots of reasons, but yeah, I think that's fair. And also like you look at a shot, like the reverse sweep, we know that it has a element of risk, but people p- practice it so much and play it so much in limited overs cricket. There's actually quite a handy, if, if you're facing a spinner on a pitch that you're not, you know, completely on top of, and you're going to get out eventually nicking onto your pad or mi- missing the straight one, you're probably better off playing the reverse in a test match, which then, means that the bowler has to come up with something new. So I think there's there were certain, you know, um, positive things. Plus, as someone who has watched a lot of Pathé clips and a lot of old... <laughs> yeah, the say. quality of... Uh, this, this thing where people are oh, batting in the old days, some of the worst shots <laughs> I have ever seen were played by supposed greats back in the day. The amount, Garfield Sobers was like a, like a hair's breadth away from being a slogger. <laughs> right? Quite a thick hair. Yeah. <laughs> and a significant hair as well. But you know what I mean? Like yeah. Some of his shots were, if, if you played them now, if he played the exact same shots now that he played back then, they go, oh, T20, it's ruined his career. <laughs> right? Yeah. And there's there's heaps of them um, that, that that were like that, that played these across-the-line swipes and, you know, a lot, you know, especially on the slower wickets, it was actually hard to get out if you were just playing elbow up defensive. It was hard to score as well. It was hard to get out. So they had to slog across the line. I've seen a lot of bad shots. Now, having said all that, I understand that we're in a different generation now, right? So, for the first time ever, you are making more money by playing T20 than Test Cricket. We're just getting to that. Uh, the smaller countries have had it for a while. The bigger countries are just starting to, to get that as well. I understand that. I understand that the priorities are different. You look at some, a team like North Ants, who basically went, we don't practice white ball cricket enough. We're going to practice it more. 
I understand all those things have a follow-on effect. But I also understand that batting has been massively expanded by limited overs cricket. And from 2000, let's say IPL onwards, 2008 onwards, it has been a T20 world. And do you know what batsmen have done, Andy? They've made a lot of test runs. <laughs> yeah. They've made a lot of test runs. I get some decent bowls. Maybe, maybe the bowling right now is slightly better than it was three or four years ago. I, I, I probably wouldn't argue with that. And maybe the pictures are slightly more helpful. But up until very recently, there was a lot of decent bowlers around the world. Um, Dale Steyn, for instance, Aranga and Harat, for instance, and batsmen still made a lot of runs in that T20 era. Now, let's say that T20 batting has chipped away at, at test batting. And I think it's changed. I wouldn't say chipped away. I'd say it's evolved it, which is a natural thing anyway. Well, it can do both, can't it? It can do both, definitely. If Even if that's the case, how come in 2017 that wasn't a thing? How come in 2016 yeah. to 2015? It's not like we've now suddenly got a bunch of blokes who only grew up watching T20 cricket come in. You know, we've still got a bunch of boring batsmen out there. In, in fact, to prove that we have boring batsmen, I made a list, Andy, <laughs> of batsmen that I consider boring, okay? Azhar Ali. Right. I love him to death. Yeah. But, geez, he, he wouldn't even watch a T20 game on TV. <laughs> I'm not sure he's playing in the T20 games he's listed in. Right? <laughs> uh, Dean Elgar. Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, he's... I mean, he puts, the, he puts the grime in grind. He's like Gary Kirsten and Alistair Cook were bred in a laboratory. Matt Renshaw, who refuses to hit the ball in front of square on the offside like it's a religious <laughs> pact he's made with some sort of higher power. Um, uh, Rory Burns yep. has come in. It's, it's one of these new left When people say left-handers are so elegant. Uh, it's one of the biggest myths in in the history of the universe. I, I thought Graham Smith and Simon Cattage beat, and Shivan Sh- 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 Naran beat that myth to death. But I'll tell you what, Rory Burns is giving, I like the way he plays, but God, it's ugly. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, this is, I think, I think I, years ago I did a ugly left-handers 11 for Crick Info. And I mean, there's a hell of a lot. Oh, there's little vessels. Basically, it's all, it's down to essentially Frank Woolley, Garfield Sobers and David Gower. So I knew yeah. Lara as well. L- Lara and Morale. Yeah. We've done it. <laughs> um, okay. Uh, God, Alan Border was ugly too. Anyway, who John, else? John Wright. Uh, Craig Brathwaite. Yeah. That's a dour He's man. Devoted to the dull. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Marcus Harris has come in for Australia, you know, yet again, another one. Jeet Raval. Yeah, and Latham as well. I, I was going to say, I, I'm not going to even mention Latham or Karina Ratna, who are both probably also in that. There are a lot of proper test match batsmen around the world who are really dull. Yes. And also some, I mean, Kawaja really embraced dullness in this, in the recent Australia, India, India, Puj- I mean, Pujara and then the sort of, uh, pleasingly dull. Yeah. So we've got a bunch of guys who clearly have not been spending a lot of time uh, range hitting. Yeah. Or if they have, they're terrible at it. <laughs> These are Red Bull guys, right? And then on top of that, I had a look at the guys who made runs this year, right? So there weren't that many. It didn't take me long, <laughs> but there's a few guys. I looked at the top run scorers, right? Of the top run scorers, you've got Virat Kohli, T20 player, Kusal Mendes, T20 player, Josh Butler, T20 player, Usman Khawaja, T20 player, Angelo Matthews, T20 player, and Rizba Pant, right? All T20 players, all dashes, all exciting batsmen. They've actually done better than a lot of the grinders out there. So you would say, looking at that, <laughs> that there is a fair chance that while T20, there's no doubt that T20 has changed the way people bat. I'd never disagree with that. But to say that up until 2017, they were handling it, and suddenly they haven't handled it, or that this new generation has come in. The the numbers and the and the players do not back that up at all. No, I mean I did. I I think 
again, it's one of these things where there's no single cause or uh, right answer or wrong I'm answer. I'm glad you said that. Oh, well, everything we say is the right answer. Clearly, yeah. Um, that's and all the commenters. Take, <laughs> take it as a given. Uh, I, do, I do think, and I, I haven't looked at this for a while, but I think teams and players individually are less adept at arresting collapses. And uh, clearly, batsmen do go harder with harder hands at Can I throw something at you about that? Because I'm not sure you're wrong, but I wonder if it's because in the old days we didn't have access to as many collapses. In that, um, I've been doing a lot of research on 300 chases, and I would say now they're far easier than they have been ever before. The data does not suggest that at all. In fact, over the last couple of years, it's been harder to chase over 300, right? And and I would think it's just because we've seen more chases of yes. over 300. So now you're sitting at home and you're, you know, working on your little comedy stuff. I don't know what you do. <laughs> you're in your shed working on your little comedy stuff. And, you know, you flick onto Twitter or maybe you've got, you know, Sky or BT or, you know, um, uh, illegal streaming <laughs> in the background, <laughs> right? Or ESPN. They show cricket too. I don't know why you would say they don't, Andy. Right. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so, and, and you suddenly see the collapse. I just wonder if there's... We're maybe focusing more on that, and and that's the case. But the the other option is, and I don't know how we work this out through um, stats, but this is a something for anyone else out there who's better than us at this stuff. <laughs> maybe it's possible that now what we see is we see a lot of big totals when batting teams are on top, and then we see a lot of small totals when bowling teams are on top. Whereas maybe teams were just slightly better at getting to two fifty a couple of years ago. Yes, I, I could be wrong. Yeah, I think there's something to be said for that, and I, that's what made the, the England Sri Lanka series. Really fascinating, and and the, the beginning of the uh, Australia India series as well. There's a lot of scores, two hundred to three fifty. For all twelve innings in the England Sri Lanka series, were two hundred to three fifty, yeah. um, which had never happened before in a in a three test series. Um, so there was that balance, almost a perfect balance. Those that almost felt the, like a nineties test series yeah, to yeah. me, like where you you knew that neither team was, was. They were both quite flawed. England was slightly better, and Sri Lanka maybe just lacking one or two players to to. To really test England, um, but there was that there was that real nineties feel of it. Of just like neither team's ever completely ahead in the game yeah, yeah. or out of the game. And, and I I thought it was an incredible series um, uh, to be out there for. Just to say that Sri Lanka wasn't wasn't that much better. But I, I think you're right. I think we see a lot of tests of recent times that are maybe a little bit more like that, where we're seeing maybe we're, it's a return to the moderate scores. Yes, which I mean, which I think would be good. I, I, you clearly want variety, and you don't want every game to be like that. You know, it's nice to have where it's, you know, 450 plays, 450, and then you get a second innings showdown as well. And, you know, occasionally, a, you know, four innings of 150 can be like the edge bastard in 81. But you want variety yeah. in, in, uh, in wickets and, and, and in, and in cricket. And uh, there seemed to be, there was a lot of that in, in 2018. Also, there's an unusual number of close finishes. A lot of test matches decided by, 70 runs or less. Funny that when bowlers are on top, yeah. that tests are close. Um, but, uh, I mean, way, way more than, than normal. Mm. And, um, yeah, it was, it was interesting in this, this time when everyone is so worried about the future of, of test cricket that it's, it's been really good. And in fact, over, over recent years, one of the interesting things I found in, in test cricket is people are very negative about two test series, but a lot of the best series recently have been short. Um, and how do you feel about no test series? No test series. That's the future. It's, it's, that is it's very always a draw. It's always tight. Yeah, that's very much the future. Of do know beforehand, I suppose, the result. Yeah. Other than that, I think it's almost perfect. Yeah. Um, let's talk about wickets. Yeah. Um, there's no doubt, and I think this is not just this year. I think it 
it started to happen a bit, maybe 2016, 2017, that wickets are getting better for bowlers. Um, what was interesting to me in your stats before is um, that spinners and team bowlers did well, which suggested that the surfaces were just more helpful in general. I think what happened was that in the mid-2000s, probably 2005 to 2015, around the world, um, the people who ran cricket were desperate to get cricket to the fifth day. And now they realize that actually you don't make much money from the fifth day. And um, also, I and I've always said this, a good short test on a spicy wicket is always remembered far better when when people are thinking ahead of that ground. The last thing you want is them looking back and going, oh, you remember that Trent Bridge test where every number 11 made a double sense? <laughs> that may not be what happened, but that's what I had. That's what I remember from that test. So I wonder if there has been a little bit more emphasis on that and maybe maybe it's also the ICC have now got their pitch ratings as well, and they've started to penalise bad batting pitches as well, although they penalised the Perth pitch, which I, which I thought was quite good recently. Yeah. Um, that was a terrific pitch, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. and well, a lot of that comes down to the, uh, I think, the, the language used, and this this term, you would say, oh, this is a good pitch, meaning it's a good pitch for batting, and all, it always irritated me. Even when I was a child, I thought, well, that doesn't, that's not what a good good pitch is, and but that's almost the terminology, oh, a good pitch is one that, Batsmen dominate on rather than one that creates a even contest. Yeah, so, it's, it's basically what you're saying here is like the structural racism that you <laughs> find bold. in language. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. You're talking about it in a cricket because it's true yeah. though. You, you know, the, you know, benefit of the doubt and all those sorts of no. Why, why do batsmen get the benefit of the doubt? I don't understand. They they get it too good for you know as it is, and they don't have to. You know, their running is not as strenuous on their body. No, I don't understand why they get anything <laughs> at all. Batsmen, in, in all honesty. But yeah, I think you're right. And I, and I think that also, if you are going harder at the ball, which is what batsmen um, do do now, I mean, I, there's no way that we can argue that. And there's a little bit more on the pitch. You, you're going to struggle. You see that in T20 and one day games as well. The one thing that I did find interesting was, I think it was, I, I can't remember my exact numbers, but since 2012 or something, we've actually had a bit of a slowdown in run rates in test cricket. Not, not a mat, not, not a drop off or anything, just a, mar, uh, you know, just a marginal slowdown. So it's not as if we were getting up to four, four and a half and over and then suddenly everyone got bowled out for 85 because they're trying to slog over the top. Um, what, what's really happened is that the pitches have been a little bit more help, helpful and batsmen just have not been able to handle that with, with I think to be fair, a combination of a few different things. The other thing that people keep mentioning a lot, and I think it's one of the least talked about effects um, on modern cricket, is DRS. So I went in to have a look if there were more LBW decisions, if there was like a spike in the percentage of LBW decisions this year. There was not. Right. But what there has been, this has nothing to do with 2018. So sorry, 2018 fans. Just, <laughs> you know, just hum to yourself for the next couple of uh, minutes. But what has happened is the LBW rate since the year 2000 to now, which is when Crick Info had the ball by ball data that I could easily access. Could have, I could have done more work, but I didn't. <laughs> um, when you go back out to 2000 and have a look at this, the LBW rate has stayed solid roughly. I can't remember what it is. Maybe 15, 16% of dismissals have been LBW. But in the early 2000s, all the LBWs went to Sievers. Right. And then in about 2002, 2003, they switch. And suddenly all the LBWs go to spinners. The seamers go right onto the bottom and the spinners go up. There was one year, 2011, where 24% of spinners' wickets were LBW. Really? A quarter of all wickets. So that is actually, so DRS, I think, has actually evened it off a little bit. So there's no, there's no DRS impact as far as I can see 
when it comes to this particular topic of 2018. So I think we can rule that out as, as an excuse. But can I just throw a couple of names at you? Okay, please do. Uh, Boomer Shami. Yep. Rabada Philander. Yep. Stark Cummins. Anderson Broad. Abbas Hassan Ali. Bolt Southie. Roach Gabriel. Yep. Um, I haven't mentioned in there, uh, Pereira Lion, Islam, um, What's the other spinner's name? Hassan? Mahedi. Mah- Mahedi. Yeah. Uh, Yassir Shah. Maharaj, whose record doesn't look that good this year because he only averaged 33, but I reckon a South, South African finger spinner averaging 33 yeah. is uh, <laughs> yeah, pretty deep. Ashwin, Kuldeep, Jadeja, Shakib Al-Hassan. This is certainly, over the last two years, a much better bowling era than we had just beforehand. Some of those bowlers were around beforehand and are better now. Um, forget the Australians, we've all dropped off a cliff a little bit, but... But realistically, you know, Hassan Ali and, um, and Abbas weren't, weren't really a- available. Rabad has just come on big and strong over the last couple of years and now has a, a backup, about 23 backup. Yeah. If you can throw away more name Horkle, <laughs> how many backup bowlers do you have? Um, you know, about the South, a Bolton Southie, we haven't even mentioned our man Neil Wagner. In there. Yeah. There's a lot of quality bowling that if you're an opening batsman or even a middle order batsman, there isn't many places to hide in test cricket right at the moment. I don't feel that was the case three or four years ago. No, I think that's right. And I think that, that there's a strong similarity with the nineties where, you know, certainly watching England, it's seeing that every match was a massive challenge. Pretty much you'd have, you know, Pakistan with Wacker and Wazim, the West Indies with, you know, with Ambrose Walsh and decent backup. Yeah. Well, I mean, England probably had like the fifth or sixth best bowling attack of Goff and Caddick. Yeah. Uh, well, certainly new ball bowling attack. And that's not a bad bowling attack. That, well, that was a very good bowling attack. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It didn't, yeah, and that was sort of a little later than that. And then Srinath and Prasad was pretty decent for India. Um, and, and Vas and Murali were, yeah. were bowling for, for, you know, Sri Lanka at that stage. So, so I think, yeah, there, there, there are, there are similarities a lot, the recent period of Test cricket with that. I that, agree. Uh, and, and, and the eighties indeed. As you met, and you wrote in your article that you thought that was the, the true golden age of, of Test cricket. And, um, you know, that's cricket is when there's a constant, constant pressure on the batsman. Yeah. Test cricket is great. And when it's controversial opinion for Mandy Zoltzman. No, but when it's, uh, (laughs) when it's easy, you know, I mean, the Mel, the Melbourne Ashes tests of Christmas 2017, the Nagpur test of uh, December 2012. I'm going back to that bridge in England, India in, in 2014. Just, just horrific. Yeah. Yeah. But when batsmen are failing, all is well with the world. Well, not when they're completely failing. Yes, completely failing. Not we want them not to make failing. any runs. <laughs> when I saw that average earlier in the year, of, well, I can't remember what it was, low 20s, I was thinking to myself, we could get this under 20. We could have the greatest test year ever. Um, I'm a little disappointed in the bowlers. Right. What I do like is when a, a century feels like a real achievement, because there was a while when centuries became rather too commonplace. And now, and, and particularly in, the, in these sort of lower scoring games, and even though, you know, I, I like a game where a score of, you know, someone coming in and getting 25 or 30 feels like it's had an impact on a game rather than being an outright failure. And yeah, I mean, look, if nothing else, this year has saved a nuggety 30. It has, yes, which is, which is a underrated skill in cricket. And uh, uh, just a quick thing on, on centuries, uh, this England, uh, Josh Butler got a second innings hundred in the fourth test against India. And that was England's second, second innings hundred, uh, in something like 45 test matches. And wow. they've had a few more since then. But so even, 
So this this year, although it's been tough for batting, has seen England roar back to form in terms of scoring. Or everyone else is just making as few runs as they are. Yeah, maybe that's it. It's levelling out. Hello, I am the non-existent Russian cricketer Pablo Chukvish, and you are listening to the Cricket Sadist Hour. The bowler that I like the most at the moment is Muhammad Abbas because A, Jeffrey Boycott said something embarrassing about him and it keeps coming <laughs> back to bite him. And B, because he's not quite, I'm still, I'm still going out on him here. He's not quite Stuart Clark, Vernon Philander or Muhammad Asif, but he's enough like them that I really <laughs> like him. Um, and I, I always say a, a young, a young bowler would come through and you bowl about 138 Ks and everyone, oh, this guy. Like if he if you bowl 138 k's and you can't bend it around corners and do something magical with the ball, get out of my sight because you won't <laughs> be successful in Test cricket. And that is what's great about him. He doesn't bowl that quick, and he does do just little little nibbly things. Tell me about Muhammad Abbas's little nibbly things. Well, he's got magic fingers, isn't he? Very. I mean, Asif, like as Osman wrote on the uh, on on the website during the English English summer, and incredible stats through uh, through 2018. Um, 38 wickets, averaged 13.7. But he didn't take a wicket in his last three innings um, against New Zealand in the uh, November series. He started with two for 13, then naught for 31, naught for 18, and naught for 29. What was the economy rates like? Uh, the economy rates under two. So, it might, yeah, and the uh, pitches maybe, I don't think it was a great deal of assistance from there. Up to that point, he had taken 38 wickets in 10 innings. Negative seven. 11.7, which is, yeah. George Loman-esque. Yeah, and he's... One thing, me, me and Usman always fight about about this because if you remember, Mohamed Asif's seam was perfect in every way. Everything he wanted to do with that ball, he could do. You look at Mohamed Abbas, and I don't think he's quite as surgical. Um, he's maybe a bit more like Philander or maybe even um, Stuart Clark in there. Sometimes there's a little bit of wobble there. Sometimes, uh, you know, the ball uh, doesn't do magic things off the pitch, and he certainly doesn't set batsmen up in a way that Mohamed Asif did. But let's just be brutally honest here. If you take away the drug taking and the match fixing, Mohamed Asif was the greatest person who ever lived. Right? <laughs> if you take away those two small things, greatest person who ever lived. Person. Ooh, big call, Terry. Yeah. So if you take away all of these many, many flaws and you just <laughs> focus on how he bowled, he was incredible. I don't think it's unfair to say that Abbas isn't on that level. At the moment. But what he's done is he's taken a few things that I think Mohamed Asif sort of invented the wobble seam, didn't he? He also invented, if I'm not mistaken, I think him and Stuart Clark both could do this, the way that they could come in looking like they were going to hold the ball seam up. But as they came in, they would wobble the ball slightly. So it rotated literally as they were coming into their windup, which is, you know, batsmen are looking for things like that. So he was so far ahead of his game. And I think what Mohamed Abbas is doing is taking a lot of those things. But also he's bowling such an immaculate length that even if he was Mark Elam, he would be you would struggle to get him away. So I didn't mean that. Was Mark, Mark Elam's like a legend in Kent, isn't he? Absolutely. There's statues of him in every school playground. You know, he's just one of those guys. And you and I both um, apologised to Ajit Agarka, um personally for this. He's just one of those guys that it just feels like a punchline. <laughs> <laughs> and they're both way better and they deserve much more respect. But when I'm searching in my head for a quick English player to take the piss out of, Mark Elam just always comes to mind. Right. But he had a decent record. I know. Salem, a few wickets, couple of Short, chubby all-rounder who used to pinch it despite the fact he couldn't hit the ball if it can. Also had one of the most ridiculously long run-ups. Yes. Uh, well, I'll say run. More, it was a shuffle-up, wasn't it? It was about a 30-yard shuffle-up. 
He, yeah, he, look, he had, um, he had a waddle. Yeah. He waddle up. A waddle up. And, um, <laughs> the thing is a dating website, isn't it? Um, how have we gone from Muhammad Abbas to Mark Elam's dating website? What a up. Well, Bumble, Bumble, that's a dating, that's a, that's a dating app, isn't it? Bumble. That I, pairs people up according to their views of David Lloyd as a, as a commentator. Don't say that. He would literally start that app tomorrow. <laughs> so tell me more about Abbas. Like, um, what, what do you think it is? Is it just that accuracy and the ability to move the ball both ways? Is it as simple as that? Well, I'm not, I sort obviously watched him during the England series and he took eight wickets at eight for 64 at Lords in the two innings combined. It's, it's almost like, he seems a bit like Asif. They was like a 80 mile an hour spinner in terms of the way that they yeah. manipulate a batsman around and the, dis, you know, the, the disguise, the deceit, the variation. And it's one of those bowlers that watching him. So I watched a um, couple of days of that Lords test, the Pakistan, that um, Pakistan Lords test and Pakistan won so, so easily. And, from the stands, sitting at you know square on, you can't see that he isn't just an ordinary medium pace. I think it's one of these bowlers that you, must, you know you need to see the close ups on his fingers yeah. and uh, oh, it's also subtle. I mean, you could watch him or Mohammad Asif or so a lot of people who because Clark didn't play that many tests, and I obviously saw him play a lot of. Um, uh, I saw him play almost all most of his tests either on TV or or uh, live at the ground. And I saw him play a lot of first-class cricket as well. So I knew how good Stuart Clark was. But if, when I, when I put Stuart Clark on that level, a lot of people are like, what? Like, no, you had to understand Stuart Clark was like an evil genius. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, and you know, and Muhammad Asif is like that. There's that great clip of him bowling to Kevin Peterson where he's basically setting Kevin Peterson up for a delivery. It's Kevin Peterson and Kevin Peterson has no idea what's happening. He's just playing and missing and faffing around being set up. That, that's not that. And we talked about this in the Jimmy Anderson podcast. That's not that often that you see that. And you, you, even Jimmy Anderson only does it occasionally. Whereas Muhammad Abbas seems to move batsmen to the position he wants and gets them to play the shot he wants them to play with an incredible amount. See, Philander is more an old-fashioned team, I think. Whereas Philander yeah, is... lots of balls in a challenging area. Yeah, he basically works out the length on that pitch and the area that you're going to struggle to score on and he'll go there. And because he does can move the ball sideways occasionally. That just makes him far more dangerous than that. Whereas with, with guys like Abbas, I think there's just, there's a, a lot more going on there and it, it's, it's beautiful to watch, but it does sort of sum up this year of not only have you got some bloke that no one had heard of two years ago, completely dominating test cricket, but doing it in the low eighties. Yes. Yeah. That said, I have enormously enjoyed Jasper Bumrah. I think it's might prove to be one of the most significant players of his Generation, he stays fit in, in terms of test cricket, obviously he's a superb white ball bowler. What would be interesting with him is if he can continue that as people get to see more of him in, yeah. in five day cricket. I don't think the, the novelty of how he bowls, he can always be successful in T20 and probably one day to a certain extent. But it'd be interesting if that novelty, and I, and I don't even know if it is part of it, but I have talked to batsmen who said he's harder to pick up than other bowlers. That doesn't happen over time. Yeah. You know, over time, everyone, you know, the messages get out. And uh, Bumrah, he played uh, the Sydney Test in which um, he took only one wicket and but injury only bowled one innings. Was the first of his ten Test matches in which he hasn't taken at least a threefer. So he basically had an impact on every single game that he played, and as I said, all away, all away from home. And that's in terms of looking at what has made India a, a team that has started to challenge away from home. Obviously, they lost the England series four one, but you know, there were two close games they probably should have won in that 
I think he's the the main component of that. And it'll be, what will be interesting is if he can keep doing it at home as well. Yeah, and, and also whether they use him at home or if they want preserve him, because clearly someone, you know, bowling 90 miles an hour is a strain. Will they? Well, I mean, he always makes it look like a strain though, doesn't he? Because yeah. it does look like, you know, he's, um, there's some sort of invisible monster about to pull his pants down at yeah. all times as he's running into bowl. And then it looks like he's going to snap his own spine. Um, so there is a lot of strain on, on what he does there. So I think, I think that's fair. No, no, he, he's really interesting. It, it, look, it's, there's, like I said, there's a lot of good bowlers. Like, and, I didn't and also, chance. well, Cummins, who, the Australian Neil Wagner in some ways, uh, as he's often known, <laughs> a lot of short, a lot of short balls. So it's, 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 yeah, it's a, the variety of bowling, as you, as you were saying earlier on in, in the past yeah. year has been, uh, been great. It's been an absolutely compelling year of test cricket. And the other interesting thing is the lack of wrist spin, considering that T20 cricket is all, ri- I mean, I'm, I'm pretty sure at this stage that 80% of balls bowled in T20 are by a wrist spinner. They're just picking up oh, blokes off the screen. Hundred, I think, if, if someone walks into the change room and opens the door handle well, with, with enough snap, I think, you know, they're out there bowling the next game. So it's interesting that the leg spinners hasn't transferred, but every other kind of bowling is completely dominated this year. Yes. Well, I guess the, the thing with, with wrist spin in white ball cricket is you don't have to get players out. You have to create uncertainty and then mistakes in attacking shots. Whereas in test cricket, you, they can defend I'm good balls. Clearly not this year. <laughs> well, I'm against off, 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 uh, wrist spin. So they're not having to, you know, take, take risks in the same way. So that's, you know, they can defend the good balls and then wait for the bad balls, which people had forgotten due to Shane Warne. Wrist spinners do bubble. Do you know what? No one said this and I'm, I, I'm going to stick my foot out. I don't care how many different formats of cricket we invent. As long as at any one stage, leg spin's doing well in one of them. <laughs> I hereby find the defendant guilty of an insufficient interest in cricket. I sentence you to be taken from this place to another place where you will be forced to listen to the cricket sadist hour until you be dead. I think we're both in agreement, although me maybe more violently, <laughs> that it's been a good year. And I mean, I think there have been incredible test series, some really good tests. Um, the fact that there has been a bunch of plays that we haven't really heard of, even the few batsmen that have stood up as well. Um, I think has been a very exciting year. We we don't know if this is a blip or not. Um, if the bat, I mean, we hope the batsmen don't bounce back. They well, we hope they won't bounce far. back. They can wobble back. They can wobble, can wobble back. as a batsman. Yeah, yeah. But but essentially, I think it has been a great year of, of cricket. Um, it, I think it will be. You know, whether this will be the year that we we um, you know that's the end of the rearguard innings. <laughs> Um, or not, uh, we don't know yet. We don't know what the future will come, but purely as a year on its, on its own, tests were good. It was exciting and a bunch of new players came up and stood up. That's kind of what you want, isn't it? We had two new teams come in. I I thought it was a good year of test cricket. Yeah. I think it was, well, one of the best, uh, that I can remember actually. And and you're really old. I'm old and a bit cynical. So it was, uh, (laughs) it was, uh, and and English. Yeah. (laughs) It was, uh, it was great. Um, and well, England won away from home, which is uh, something that I thought. I said the Zara world. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it, and also in terms of rear guard, it might be that the fact that batting's become so difficult in test cricket actually aids the sort of re, you know, rediscovery of some of those old skills and seeing guys like, like Pujara and Latham. 
We haven't uh, even mentioned Pajara. I forgot about Pajara. In the boring bats, but I left him out. But yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. And I think that... And, and even the way Coley batted. Yeah. Coley hit two sixes in test this year. He doesn't hit that many sixes in test cricket, but it was... Uh, his, a lot of his innings were really restrained, careful innings. And he talked about that after the, the, the series just finished, about how, you know, in England you need to bat without without ego, or at least you need to maybe channel your ego in a in a certain different way. But um yeah, it's uh, it'll be interesting to see the all the talk of positive cricket, I think held England back for a long time and England also went against you know, there's sort of positive there's different ways of being positive, clearly, aren't they? You can defend positively, you can accumulate Positively, that was one tactic that I did <laughs> not enjoy. That's the most English year. thing anyone's ever said. You can accumulate positive positive accumulation. Well, that's what England did in Sri Lanka last year, and Sri Lanka facilitated that by some of the worst field placing <laughs> in the history of cricket. And um, that, that was that was for me. That was the worst thing in Test cricket this year was excessively defensive field placings that allow risk-free accumulation. I don't like that, Jared. I don't think it's effective, and I don't like watching it. Well, you get the big, the big takes here. That one's going to be on the back page of the sun <laughs> tomorrow. But, uh, thank you very much for listening. If you like the podcast, go to iTunes and press the buttons and do all the things that iTunes, uh, ratings and reviews and all that sort of stuff. Yeah, or just get a big old style ghetto blaster sound system, stick it on your shoulder and play it on a bus. We used to have a guy in our local area in Melbourne who used to do that all the time with heavy metal music, then occasionally punch police. Is that what you're suggesting? No, I'm suggesting you play nerdy cricket podcasts as loud as possible on public transport. That's a different matter entirely. We'll be back soon. Talk to you then. Bye. (laughs) 